Good morning, church. We are going to break bread today. So get your bread and your juice ready so that we can have communion after the message. My message to you today is titled, Dealing with Doubt. Now, this is a vast subject, so I'm not going to be dealing with it in depth. This morning, we will just look at one example of someone who, at a low point in his life, had doubts about Jesus and what we can learn from his experience. Have you heard of buyer's remorse? Buyer's remorse is what happens when someone buys something and then starts to doubt if they made the right decision. They begin to doubt their own choice. These days, they even give customers a cooling off period in some instances so that if they have this kind of doubt about their choice, they can come back and cancel it. In a similar manner, we sometimes struggle with our own spiritual decisions. Today, we're going to look at one man's struggle with his life decisions. Listen. If it could happen to this guy, then it can happen to any one of us. There may be times when we struggle with the same choices and decisions that he struggled with. So, let us learn from this man's experience. And I am talking about John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus. Let's read Matthew 11 verses 1 to 6. Now, it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one or do we look for another? Hmm. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Jesus had just sent out the 12 disciples to do ministry on their own. It was their next step in their discipleship. They had walked with Jesus and learned from him. And now Jesus sends them out on their own to practice what they had learned. John the Baptist at this time was in prison. And he heard about the deeds of Jesus. And this is the John, the very same John who had told everybody that the lamb who takes away the son of the world is Jesus. This is the John who had baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. This is the John who said, he must increase and I must decrease. Now John was in prison because he had a run in with Herod's ex-sister-in-law who was now his wife. And John had stuck and was committed to God's truth. And because of that, he landed in jail. (laughs) Does that sound familiar? You do what is right and that gets you into trouble. So John had done everything right, but was suffering 
for doing the right thing. Jesus tells us later that John was the greatest man ever born up until that time. Wow, he was a great man. And yet, he was having moments of doubt. This same John then sends word from prison inquiring if Jesus is the one or if they must wait for another. Suddenly, John the Baptist was confused. He had some doubt. Maybe being in prison may have messed up with John's mind. He thought, how is it? I do what's right and I get punished for it? Am I wrong to believe that you are the Messiah, Jesus? Now, here is a man who truly believed that Jesus was the Messiah. He announced his coming. He announced his presence. He baptized him. He gave his entire life to announcing that Jesus is the Messiah that was to come. But now he's in prison. He's suffering for doing what God called him to do. Did he miss something? Was he wrong about Jesus? John had doubts about Jesus. As I said in the beginning, if this could happen to John the Baptist, it could happen to you and I. Let's look again at the response of Jesus. Matthew chapter 11, verse 4 and 5. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and that you see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Notice, Jesus didn't give a simple yes or no answer. He did more than that. He answered John's question with results. Go and tell John what you've seen and what you've heard. Everything you expect Messiah to do is being done. Everything the Son of God was prophesied to do, He is doing it. Blind people now see. Crippled people are walking. Deaf people are hearing. Dead people are alive again. The good news of God's love for all people is being proclaimed to those that no one else loves. Go back and tell John what you've seen. Go back and let John know what you've heard. Go back and tell him everything you see God doing. Now, interesting that these deeds that Jesus mentions over here, they're actually quotes from the book of Isaiah making reference to the works of the Messiah which was to come. And Jesus is telling John that he is fulfilling all those prophecies from Isaiah. Jesus knew that when the disciples reported these deeds back to John, John, knowing scripture, would make the connection and know that Jesus was the Messiah indeed. Remember what we learned a few weeks ago? That we should not be ignorant of scripture so we don't fall into unbelief on the promises. That is what happened to those two guys from Emmaus as they walked along the road. And Jesus had to remind them of the promises, remember? And of what scripture says. You see, we need to know scripture. In moments of doubt, you need to go back to scripture. John knew the word. The darkness and loneliness of the cell depressed his spirit. But the words and works of Jesus would quickly remind him of scripture 
and the doubt would be removed. Matthew eleven six says the following, And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. In the original language, this verse says, Don't let all this that is happening to you be a stumbling block. The word offended here is the Greek word skandalizo, meaning to scandalize, to entrap. That is to trip up, all right? Entice to sin and so forth, to offend. It is derived from another Greek word, scandalon, and scandalon is a trap stick, a a little sapling, a, a small twig. Now, I don't know about you, but remember, as a child making traps to catch birds, I, I remember as a kid I used to do this. You, you take a shoebox or a little basket, you put it in the ground, then you take a, a little stick and you put it over there holding it up, all right? Now that stick, that's scandalon. That's what Jesus is talking about. It's a trap stick. And then you tie a string to the bottom of the string and you go and, and hide behind a tree or a, a rock. Before you do that, you put, you put some, some seeds here leading to the, under the, the, the box, and then you're going to hide. The little bird comes and eats the seed, and when, when he's under the box, you pull the string, that trap thing falls down, and the box falls on the bird, and the bird is in a box, and you've caught the bird. This is the image that Jesus is using. He's saying, don't let the box fall on you, man. Don't let the circumstances around you trip you up and become entrapped. Don't let the box Fall on you. Amen. Don't get trapped. How can we allow the box to fall on us? One way is to create an unrealistic image or expectation of how God is going to work in our lives and in the world. John's question indicates that this could be one of the reasons for his doubt. John proclaimed Jesus to be the Messiah. In the Jewish mind of that day, he would come to liberate Israel from the Roman rule. John preached judgment. And he probably expected Jesus to bring judgment to Israel, to sort them out. Instead, he hears about Jesus hanging out with kids, blessing children, you know, and not declaring publicly that he is the Messiah. When God does not act the way we expect him to act, when he does not answer our prayers the way we imagine that he would, it is easy for the box to fall on us too. The worst form of idolatry is the image we make in our minds of what God should be like and how God should act. In our lives. We bow down to that image. And when God does not conform to our image of him. We get offended. And the box falls on us. John had his own image. Of Messiah. But when Jesus. Did not meet his image of Messiah. The box fell on John. And he became trapped. If Jesus is the powerful Messiah. Why has he not taken care of sinful Herod? Why has he not set me free from this prison? Jesus tells John's disciples to go and tell John to not let what is happening to him cause him to stumble. Tell John not to let his circumstances cause him to stumble in his trust of Jesus 
as the Messiah. The last few months may have gone well for some of you. Be very thankful to God for that. But for many, the last few months have not been good at all. Circumstances have been very difficult with all the repercussions of this pandemic. For some people, these have been the worst months of their lives. Their world has been turned upside down and they did not deserve it. They were just going about their lives, doing the best they could when suddenly everything changed. I think everyone watching or listening has experienced seasons like this in their lives. Nothing goes right. It seems that everything falls apart. Despite our best intentions, things go terribly wrong. In times like these, we get to know a little bit how John must have felt. I serve Jesus the best I can. I live the best life I can to bring Him glory and praise. I make sacrifices for the cause of Jesus. And yet, things get out of control. Things happen that blindside you. People, for no apparent reason, crush your soul. Circumstances just blow up and overwhelm you. That seems to be what John was thinking about. He had done everything just like God told him. He had given his whole life pointing to Jesus as God's chosen one. And all he got was a jail cell and would eventually lose his head. All of this confused John. The box fell on him. He may be having second thoughts about what he'd given his life for. The circumstances confused him, and he had some doubt about the whole thing. Does that sound familiar? I have to admit, there are times that I just ask, why is this happening? Why do bad things happen to good people? What do we do when we find ourselves in that place? Well, Number one, we cry out to Jesus. Uh, there was a man who brought his son to Jesus to cast out an evil spirit. He told Jesus, if you can, help my son. Jesus said, if I can, listen, do you not believe? And the man cried, Jesus, I, I, I believe. Just, just help my unbelief. Sometimes all we can do is cry out and say, Jesus, I believe you are Lord. You are my Savior. Please, just, just help my unbelief. Help me to make sense of all this. Number two, we, that another thing we can do is we look at our lives and see what Jesus has already done. Look at what Jesus has done in your life. He's given you hope. He's given you eternal life. He's changed you and there's no way to deny it. Look at specific things he has done in your life. Look at what he has already done. You couldn't do that no matter how hard you tried. You couldn't that change those things in your life unless God did them for you. God stepped in. He changed you. He changed your circumstances. So let this past action in your life confirm that He is who He says He is. Amen. 
Another thing we can do is we can make a firm decision to choose to believe. He has been good to us in the past. He will be good to us in the future, for eternity. So I choose to trust Him now in my present. You see, many times the circumstances of our lives can be completely overwhelming. There's confusion and even doubt. If you ever find yourself there, or if you are there now, you can make a choice. You can choose not to let your circumstances control your heart. You can choose that despite all that is going on, you are going with God. You staying with God. You believing in Jesus. You can make that choice right now. No matter what is happening around you. Choose to believe. Choose to believe Jesus is who he says he is. Choose to believe that Jesus has done what he said he would do. Choose to believe no matter what may come that you will trust him with all that you are. You see, Jesus is everything he says he is. He has done everything he said he would do. He does love you more than you know. He does care about you more than you can ever understand. He is trustworthy. So trust Jesus today. As we break bread now, if you have been going through a rough time or if you are going through a rough time right now, remember this experience of John the Baptist. Do not let circumstances, do not let your unmet expectations of God rob you of your convictions about Jesus. He is still who he said he is. As John eventually did, John turned back to the word and acknowledged and understood who Jesus was. Let's turn back to the word of God. Let's remember what Jesus said, what Jesus did. He is still who he said he is. Remember that as we break bread. Be reminded that he paid the price for your eternity. And that whatever may go, you, you may go through in this life, <laughs> this life is just a vapor compared to eternity with him. Filled with love, with joy, with complete love in his presence. So, get your bread. Get your juice. Let's get ready and let us have communion together. Amen? Amen. Are you ready? You see, you and I have an advantage John never had. John never lived to see Jesus die, be buried, and resurrect again on the third day. You and I have that historical fact that we know. And that and so many other things helps us to stay focused on Jesus. And when those moments of doubt come, we can look back at the facts of Scripture, the reality of Jesus' life, and His resurrection as we are celebrating today. Amen? So let us break bread together. Let's begin with the bread. Father, thank you for the broken body of Jesus so that we could all be one together with my brothers and sisters. Thank you for what you paid, Lord Jesus, for the price you paid. And so now as we 
eat this bread, the fruit of the ground, we remember, Lord Jesus, what you did in the cross for us. We pray for healing, Lord God. Anybody taking communion today, if they are sick, if there's ailment in their body, we speak forth, Lord God, healing in Jesus' name, restoration in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's eat the bread. The cup reminds us of the blood of Jesus, of course, which paid the price for all our sin. If John could have some doubts, you and I can have some doubts. God is not going to strike us with lightning because of that. You see, the blood paid the price for everything, including our doubts. And so, as we take part in the cup, let us remember that Jesus has paid the price for everything. That in our lives in this world, yes, we may have tribulations. We may have difficult times. We may have times of doubt. But let's go right back to Jesus. Let the the cup remind us that Jesus gave his all for us so that we could spend eternity with you and I. He not only loves us, he likes us, he wants us to be with him. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for this cup, for the fruit of the vine, reminding us of the blood of Jesus poured forth to cover all our sins and weaknesses. And because of this, Lord, thank you that today we, myself, my brothers and sisters, are acceptable to you, my God. We receive this cup with joy in Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed as you drink of the cup. Mm. Amen. Well, it has been great spending this time together with you. Remember, if you want to attend our services on site, go to our website and book your seats there. Have a great day. Have a great week. The Lord bless you. May the peace of the Lord be with you. And we'll see you again next week. Amen.